Hello, and welcome to Going Off Track. My name is Jonah. I'm joined here by Stephen. Hey. And Brad. Hola. So if you're t- trying to tune into Stephen's Untitled Rock Show, yeah. this is the closest you're going to get. <laughs> it's nowhere near. <laughs> because that had a super team of people making it awesome. True. And we have a close-knit band making it amazing. It's true. Uh, and we're titled. And we have a stupid title. We do have it. <laughs> <sighs> they both kind of had stupid titles. Yeah, pretty much. It happens. <laughs> why? I never figured out why you guys called yourselves Entitled. Untitled? I, mean, I know that you... Yeah, how, how did the title Oh, it's for a sh- great story. Yeah? Um, no, there was a guy working there named uh, Ed. Untitled. And oh, it's Untitled. It was Untitled. Yeah, we were very s- entitled. And self, and, and, uh, Feels entitled and now. And self-entitled. Um, There's a guy working a fuse named Ed, and I works for Microsoft. Really great dude. And had this perfect skill of being able to pick the best producer for the shows. And um, hired the wonderful Bruce McDonald to start off Stephen's Entitled Rock Show. And we came up with a whole bunch of names. And the lawyers couldn't agree on anything. I wanted to call the show Out of Step. I thought that was pretty cool and a nice little uh, um, aside to where it all came from for me. But Ed had the idea of putting it. When you when you list a show on what they call tribute on your guide for any cable channel, you know you have to have something to put in there. And since the lawyers didn't get back in time, we had to put in something. So he just wrote in uh, Stevens Untitled Rock Show. No way. And that's what happened. So then we had a contest to name the show, and we took that out of the running, obviously because it was silly. But people kept voting for it, and by a margin of like thirty three percent, fans wanted Stevens Untitled Rock Show. And Green Day asked to come on and announce it, which was kind of cool. Wow. So Billy Joe and Mike came and sat, and I was like, hmm, it's cool to have you guys here. But who do we have with us here this week, Jonah? Our guest is J.D. Sampson, who you may know from La Tigre, current band is Men, and and, 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 and the two of us went to high school together. Correct. And middle school. I think pretty much our entire career, school, high school and middle school career in suburban Ohio was together. And I used to... Surprising, J.D. hasn't been on before. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, a lot of that's due to traveling and scheduling <laughs> and everything. Yeah. We talk about when, when, I, when I saw the Tigre. I saw Bikini Kill, too, so it's interesting to see how J.D. got interwoven into those worlds. But here's J.D. right now. It's going on! Speaking of high school... Me and today's guest, J.D. Sampson, went to high school together. Yes, we did. Orange High School. And we didn't just go to high school together. We, like, had a lot of, um, we have a lot of stories. Yes, we do have a lot of stories. skateboarding on the temple steps on Yom Kippur. I forgot about this one. Were you there that day? It it sounds like something I would have done. (laughs) Isn't that you can't skateboard on Yom Kippur? (laughs) Yeah, basically. It was like you can because there's no electronics involved. What temple did you go to? It was like the worst thing ever. It wasn't our. It wasn't my temple. It was the one that was like behind Naomi Cutler's house. Was it that? Was it that circular one? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes, I do remember this. Yeah. And did I ever drive you around? So. Yes, you drove me with Howard and Lee Rollins yeah. to meet Marilyn Manson yes. at Chainlink Addiction in Lakewood. This was like Marilyn Manson when like Smells Like Children, or not, before Smells Like Children, Portrait of American Family was out, and he was just starting to get big, and he did this signing, and I wasn't old enough to drive, and you had a station wagon with like this tapestry on the roof or something. It was a Buick Skylark. Oh, those are yeah. beautiful cars. Yeah. I had the non... We had the non 
station wagon version of the Buick's car. Well, it was not a station wagon. It, it was. It was. Oh, it was I made it up. This that was, it was, a, yeah, yeah. It was a station oh. wagon. This is a little fuzzy. It was a long a time. Yeah, car. it was a long time ago. Yeah, it was. It was a. It lasted a long time. Yeah. Yeah. That car. We. My mother had that car, and we watched the the mileage flip twice. <gasps> Wow, like that she, is a good car. Because she, because as a kid, she's like, "Oh, we're gonna have a new car," and I'm like, "What does that Wait. mean?" She's like, "Watch, it's gonna go to zero. It'll be brand new." And I'm like, oh, "Okay," and then it flipped again, like years later. Wait, what? I just missed it because I was looking at something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's the car? A uh, Buick Skylark. Oh yeah, okay. I that remember awesome at that car. signing that I was so excited to meet them, and the guitar player had a shirt that said, "Fuck you, I have enough friends." And I was like, oh, these guys <laughs> seem really nice. <laughs> I just remember there weren't that many people there. There were not it was very like, many people. At all. I remember yeah. someone like was like went to Maryland and like, can I see your tattoos? And he was like, sure. And he was like, like talking about them. Yeah. Like, it was really, uh, and I used to work for your parents. Yeah. Setting up, like blowing up balloons and stuff. Yeah. Well, I, don't know if I remember knows, that very um, well. We never met, but I saw you open for the Pixies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a really weird show. It's always so, it was weird for La Tigre to open for other bands always because, like, one time we opened for Yola Tango and that was, like, so weird. Why? Cause... Because we were like, bah, 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 yeah. and then they were like, oh, <laughs> you know. Well, the Pixies, that was when they did, what, five, six nights at the yes. Hammerstein. So they had a different opening band yeah. each night. And I, and my wife got us the tickets, and I felt stoked I hadn't seen you guys yet. Yeah. It was actually really fun. It was a lot of because fun. Because their fans did seem kind of similar to our fans. It was, it was a good uh, cross-pollinating event. Yeah. So that's how I know you're from. And then Jonah's talked about you for a while. We're yeah. psyched to have you here hanging out with us. I'm happy to be here. And you're in the neighborhood? I am. I live two blocks from this that's wonderful awesome. place. Yeah. Converse and I love it here. Tracks. Great energy. What did you say? I said Converse's rubber tracks. Yes. Oh, yes. We're so spoiled <laughs> that Brad has us record here. It's so wonderful. So you went to Wesleyan. Sarah Lawrence. Sarah Lawrence. <gasps> Very similar. Very no grades. No grades. You didn't obviously didn't study in high school. You obviously studied much harder than me in high school. Um, I was just talking about this yesterday. Yeah, like I worked really hard to get really good grades in high school. Yeah. And remember my best friend was Dan Oringer? Well, he's a neurosurgeon now and I'm not. <laughs> um, but we were like really competitive grade wise and I was in like AP classes. But then when I went to college it was like I hadn't learned anything because my school was so about analytical thinking and kind of like critical theory. And I knew I had no idea how to think other than read and memorize. Yeah, well, that's yeah. Like my sister got it was all AP, like good grades. Yeah. And I feel like we had like, some, you know, like we were brother and sister, but I felt like I just didn't have that in me. Like in high school, like I just didn't care as much about grades. Like I got okay grades. But yeah. I feel like a lot of it is just memorizing stuff. Yeah. You know? I could do that great. But then once I got to college, I was, like, shocked because I couldn't believe that you could think about the textbook information and think, wow, this is false. Or this isn't the right way to portray this historical event. You know, I always thought that that's just, like, written mm-hmm. in stone. Textbook. They wouldn't have printed it had it not been correct. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Was there, like, a certain, like, class or a certain moment when you kind of, like, realize that? In college? Yeah. Probably just, like, my first day. Yeah. Of, that, that, that's Sarah Lawrence's vibe. Yeah. Like, that's the whole jam there. Yeah, because, like, the first essay I read, I was like, okay, cool. I understand all of this. This makes sense. And then we got into class and people were like, this is bullshit. I don't agree with this writer. And they were like, let's talk about that. And I And then I was totally blown away, like... I didn't realize you could 
question. Did you have a major or a concentration at Sarah Lawrence? I was like anthropology, gender studies, and film. Experimental film was like the reason why I went to that school, actually. Oh, wow. I remember, yeah. I went, I had a friend who went there and I visited yeah. a couple times. Every time I went, everyone's like, it's awesome. There's like barely any guys there. There's like parties where everyone's naked. It was like so, and I was like, really? Like, it was that, what, what was, is that, is a naked party is it a true thing? Well, I don't think I went to naked parties, but I did go to, there was like, I forget what it was called. There was this like party called, it was like the trash party or something. God, I don't remember. But it was like, people were stripping and like, it was like kind of dirty. It was like the whole concept was to like be really the opposite of Sarah Lawrence, I think, probably. <laughs> you didn't have and, naked um, parties at your college? No, no naked parties. Yeah, we had those in my school. I also remember yeah. that, like, walking from, like, the bus station over to the college, like, yeah. a lot of, like, townies or whoever they were were, like, yelled, like, I got called a fag, like, seven times. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the, the one of the reasons why I went there was, like, I went to Prospective Students Weekend with my mom, who you know. Yes. And um, she... <laughs> I love all this so And much. I remember when we got there, we, like, I was like, see you later. And my mom said she knew at that moment that it was just like over because it was, I, there was like 80% queer kids at the school. And I was like, finally take me. You that know? Must have, what, how did that feel? That must've been incredible. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, there was like some queer kids in our high school, but you know, it's kind of like there was like four and you just had to be friends with them. And they, even if Mandatory. they weren't your like <laughs> kind of person or mm-hmm. scene or something. Oh, great. We have so, the, the same orientation and now we're friends. It's like, yeah. it's like having, having to hang out with someone because you're the same height. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, in our school, it's kind of like everyone who was like a freak hung out together. Whether you were like a hippie, a punk rocker, a goth kid, like... What else was there? I don't, I don't know. know. It's kind of high a school, geek. Though, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah. I feel like now, I feel like if you go to a high school now, there's like a lot of kids into punk or whatever. Like I felt like well, it has to be we, a big high school. I yeah, but I feel like that school. kind of stuff mm-hmm. is so much more mainstream or so much more like part of the culture now. Right. Like I felt like even when we were in high school in the '90s, it just like you gravitated towards it. There was no internet. Like you just gravitated towards those people that were into that stuff. It is weird how that falls into play because my high school was enormous like my graduating class was 640 people and but like my friends like we all kind of conglomerated together like you know like i was you know the theater geek you know and my buddy we were just all in a band together and that's kind of everybody else had their own interest but we were all in a band and yeah. we all kind of like well we all like minor threat well this guy likes pink floyd but he's a good guitar player you know that kind of yeah, thing yeah. um a great guitar player but um uh there was like this, there were like pockets of punks and pockets of goths and all that, but then my crew was this weird <laughs> misfit, you know, messing around. But you know, being in the th- what was interesting about being in the theater was, of course, there were you know a lot of gay kids in the yeah. theater, which was great. But we grew up like accepting that as completely not different. And then I remember going to college, and I loved it because the best parties were at the you know. Their, their group was called Harmony. Mm-hmm. It was the the lesbian, gay, bisexual association. Yeah. Best parties ever because they were all dance majors, all theater majors. Like, <laughs> yeah, those are the people you want to party with. It was awesome. Yeah, like mm-hmm. costumes, glitter, just good DJs. Frankly, yeah, totally. just literally just good DJs. <laughs> good that music. was it. Yeah, just good music. I'm like, this is great. Yeah, it's like I don't want to go see some dumb band in a basement. Did yeah. that anyway. But, um, yeah. <laughs> so I learned that you were in Le Tigre from reading an interview with you guys in Skyscraper when I was in college. Yeah. And you were talking about having a tattoo. You talked about like Pepper Pike or something. Yeah. Do you have a tattoo of Ohio? I do have this tattoo 
that okay. at first it was just Ohio, but then since then I've gotten all the Great Lakes. Oh, nice. And as many states as I could fit to wrap around my arm. Yeah. Was- so, yeah. <laughs> um, but it started yeah. with Ohio. Yeah, and it says the heart of it all, except for which used to be the like slogan, but then yes. they changed it to something weird like the aviation state or really? something like that. Like the heart yeah. of it all used to, is the was the slogan. Yeah, for yeah, but it's so old now that it kind of just That's looks funny. like. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I remember reading in this interview, it said you linked up with them through doing projections or something. Yeah, so like I originally went to Sarah Lawrence for experimental film and was working in kind of this like anti-genre genre of film which was to not use a projector but draw movement drawings and edit them and put them on the wall and it was kind of this like public art idea concept working with like animation and drawing and stuff and um also kind of just like theories about projection and things like that so i had been doing a lot of interesting work around that stuff and talking to sadie benning who was originally in the band um because she's a filmmaker video maker as well and then they asked me to go on tour with them and do their projections which which was a slide uh viewer slide, slide projector and I had a button and I went back and forth with the buttons and um yeah but it was so fun because it was like having to go to the beat and like figure Uh, out which slides to put where that works with the music and like every night kind of coming up with like a new I mean it was like so strange it was like I was like a professional slide projector user (laughs) um but yeah so that that was just one tour of it was like almost two weeks or something a little less than was two this weeks towards the beginning of the band this was their first tour so it's sadie kathleen and johanna okay yeah and so they for their very first tour i did that and during that tour kathleen was like will you be in the band now and so yeah what was we i mean was it was it weird like that's so crazy to be in like i'm sure you're into bikini kill and stuff to be playing with someone like that is such an icon what was that like well it's funny like i wasn't a big bikini kill fan actually but not because i didn't like them just because like it just wasn't part of my world like i remember in high school people being like we're going to see bikini kill but i was like i don't really know who that is like i definitely didn't know who that was in yeah high school. exactly so once i got to college i was kind of like into more of like an indie world less of like a punk thing you know like i was into like cat power and stuff like that and um yeah so it just it, honestly like working with kathleen there was never this like fandomonium like oh my god this is so crazy which was i think better for everyone yeah Yeah. but um it was amazing because i feel like i learned everything there was to know about making music from johanna and kathleen like they both taught me everything and i'm so grateful for like that experience yeah it's funny i interviewed kathleen I think and you for Alternative Press a really yeah. long time ago. Yeah. And it, I talked to you, and then I talked to Kathleen. I was like, me and JD went to high school. And she was like, oh, my God, did you guys date? <laughs> no way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, so, so how did you make the – so did you – you played music with the band eventually? or you? Only, yeah, yeah, yeah. So how did you transition from the projectionist into – It was so complicated. Um, <sighs> it's so funny. I mean, when she had asked me to be in the band on that first tour, I was kind of like – nervous and whatever and i feel like that was the beginning of like this morph of my 
life into like more of a performative thing, which was I hadn't really been doing up until that point. Um, at least like genre wise, you know, like I think I was definitely performative in my social life or something, but not, um, in my work. So we started by just like rehearsing. I remember it was like summer and we rehearsed for the whole summer. And I remember Joe and Kathleen were like, you should do a song that's like, just like karaoke, like whatever song, like you should do, why don't we do like My Prerogative by Bobby Brown? And so I like, we rehearsed with like me just like doing karaoke to that song. We never did it live, but somehow it was just this way to like get me into like performing and being able to feel confident on on somewhat of a stage. And then we just all started like writing songs together and whether they came out of jamming or just like Johanna like sitting with me and teaching me stuff like whatever that's how it started and then basically after feminist sweep or during feminist sweepstakes we all got pro tools and no one knew how to use it none of us knew how to use it before so we all were on the same learning curve and we all just like taught each other what we needed to know and by the end of it I feel like we were all like in an equal place of writing music, you know. Now, wait, what year were you at Sarah Lawrence when you did you finish school? Yeah, okay. I did, but it was very strange because I toured during my last semester and I got independent study credit, and I still have dreams to this day that I didn't actually graduate <laughs> because I probably shouldn't have. But um, that was in two thousand. I guess there's no better school than Sarah Lawrence. Be like, I'm going to go tour. Oh my God! Yeah, we'll give you credit for that. Basically. Yeah, that's crazy. Here's your faculty faculty advisor, Chrissy Hind. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I tried to do that yeah. in AP. I was like, can I still get paid? And I didn't work. I ended up not, quitting my job. <laughs> that's yeah. amazing. So yeah. n- any any musical background at all? I played the classical guitar in high school. I took lessons from someplace on Mayfield. Was what it Mayfield we? Music? No, it was some music? guy... Mayfield Music was crazy. My, I used to go there, and then my mom was like, you can't go here anymore. And I was like, really like my teacher. He used Why? To, like, smoke cigarettes. And, well, I found out later. I actually did research on this recently. <laughs> my my mom thought it was a drug front, <gasps> which it's like, I was like, and I was like, that's weird. And then it came out later that it totally, I think, maybe, like, the owner of it, like, sold it to someone and, like, just like took the money and like left, like owed all these people money, and there was all the sketchy stuff. So I think kind of think my mom probably was right. <laughs> so then I started going Whoa. to this place, Academy Music in Solon. Oh, I see. But Mayfield Music was on Mayfield, but you might have gone somewhere else. I did, and it was like this little house. It was really cute. I know exactly what you're talking about. It was a guy's name. Yes. And, and they had like in, like they sold stuff in the front. Yeah. Yeah. He was really sweet, and so I took classical guitar for like a while and I learned how to read music that way so I feel like that was like where my initial classical the guitar forgive mm. me the definition mm. just basically that just mean all acoustic like with it's the little strings yeah okay with the little stand up thing you have to hold it a certain you'll, you'll, no. you can hold that you want but it's not yeah. like string guitar okay and like the way you play it like you know acoustic guitar is very like strummy yeah. and that's just not uh, 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 what classical guitar is were like. your parents yeah. really musical no not at all in fact, my parents never had a stereo, a record player, anything. Not one piece of music my whole life. Wow. Yeah. What did they do? Well, watch TV, I guess. I or back something. that. That's my family. And like, 
we I don't know we spend a lot of time like outside or like you know I was really into sports so my dad would like help me play sports and like that kind of stuff and like I'd like mow the lawn and like it wasn't very I don't know we just didn't it wasn't like entertainment family really mm-hmm. or something See, my, my um, family literally has a, and I'm not making this up a TV in the kitchen which is right next to the dining room where there's another television in the dining room well it's been well, a converted dining room it's now where my dad watches TV wow yeah, yeah. is there a TV in the living room no there's one upstairs okay. it's everywhere but no I get that's amazing so um uh, see, we didn't go outside either. This is like everything you're saying. Like we did the exact opposite. This is where did you grow up? Oh, Northern Virginia. Okay. So, um, where I saw a Bikini Kill come yeah. through, they played like um, I saw them with Fugazi at the Rock That's for a Choice good show. show. That was a pretty good show. Yeah, <laughs> it was uh, Bikini Kill L7 and Fugazi. It was what? Just, just might as well just tattoo '90s across it. That's like, pretty like, heavy, dude. Early, early '90s. Uh, a very very DC show in a church, mm. you know, of course, but mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Uh, and bikini kill, I just remember just watching, going, "There's a dude in a dress. This is hilarious. Oh wow, oh man, you know, and just yeah. get the, getting the full frontal attack of it." So, um, uh, hearing Latigra later it was like, "Wow, it's the same person. I love this. That's I like. Awesome. I don't. Know, I like people." Sounds evolving. Yeah. Um, so you go from a classical guitar, but then did you just stop? Just no more music, or did you keep it up? Well, I went to college, and I feel like I, like, I still play it, like, for fun. Like, honestly, it really relaxes me. Like, it's the one thing I can do, and just, like, even if I play a scale over and over again for, like, 10 yeah. hours, it's just, like, sounds beautiful, I feel like, and I'm, like, secure or something, you know? So, I've always kept playing it that way, but um, I think it just gave me this, like, um, background of, like, you know, musical theory and stuff that... Um, I would come into use, obviously, in my future. What experimental film were you into? Well, when I first decided that's what I wanted to do, I went to the Cleveland Cinematheque Theater, which is at the Institute of Art there, and I saw this feminist filmmaker named Jennifer Reeves. Um, She went to Bard College, and she was like 21 or something, and made these really beautiful, like kind of like, Brackage-esque films of like um, there was like some organic images of nature but they were like manipulated film so that it was like beautiful painting on film kind of a thing you oh know? like so you like take the actual film stock and like draw on it and mess with things yeah, like that yeah yeah okay. and so um i saw that and the reason why i went was because it was in the newspaper and it was like feminist filmmaker comes to the movies or something and i was like i'm going i'm i'm a feminist you know i was like 16 so i went and i thought it was like the most incredible thing ever so i decided that's what i wanted to do wow it's 16 that's great do you still identify as a feminist yeah of course i feel like that's like what encapsulates all of my political beliefs my feminism you know i feel like it's just an umbrella term that you could really define anyone can define their feminism as anything they want it to be you know i remember in college having a very similar discussion i remember sitting with these women and saying uh wait what is, what is feminism like can you like we're at a party and we're talking like like what does it mean she said well the woman looked at me and said well for starters do you believe that a woman should get paid the same amount of money a man does if they do the same job and i went 
they don't? <laughs> and she went, you're a feminist. And I went, yeah. all right, right on. Yeah, I yeah. back it. And I, and I was a dance major, and I uh, uh, would, was doing choreography, and always had a lot of women in the pieces I did. Yeah. Obviously, more women there, but pieces i did were more of that and i was given a bumper sticker that said this is what a radical feminist looks like there you go it's like right on yeah i think about that stuff all the time because i have daughters and that's what sounds so pathetic but now in my early 40s having two little girls makes me more conscious of not saying oh that girl over here as opposed to that woman over there yeah i'm like i've been a jerk forever yeah you know it's weird it's a very it's a very odd thing i know well i was i recently bought a book for a friend of mine that was like about it was for men about feminism i thought it was like so cool that there's like several books like that um that you know are intended for men to read about feminism i thought that was really awesome that's awesome i was on this yogurt cheese this weekend and this girl wait you were with i was on a yoga retreat oh okay and it sounded like you said yogurt cheese (laughs) very quickly oh man i did have yogurt this morning you're drinking too much coffee again. i think it's a stuffed on coffee (laughs) Uh, (laughs) this girl was telling (laughs) me about uh she was from colorado and she told me about there's this thing like men's rightist or something like people guys who like i think it's over there who are like believe like men should have more rights or like protect and i they were it was such a it's weird like a thing i was like this really exists and she was like yeah like it's like a real thing and like yeah like white supremacy it's I well there's it. like there's that whole father's rights thing that's been really popular over the past like 10 years that's, that? yeah well that's if um uh that that's usually in Alec Baldwin is a big proponent of that yeah. in, in certain... Of father's rights? Yeah, yeah. It's, in, it's in divorce cases. Oh, oh I see. Is that, you know, um, historically, if there's a divorce, the courts rule in favor of the mother. Right. You know, because now... But now there's different laws as the terms of uh, care provider and caregiver, mm-hmm. you know? And it's, it's you know, who, who does the work and who's, you know, with the kids more often. Um, and... You know, a lot of fathers are, you know, it, it's easy to say, no, you can't come by. You can't do this. And they're more controlled. They, mm-hmm. they don't get to spend as much time with the kid as they want. Yeah. Because joint custody is not that old. I'm talking out of my ass here, but it's not that. Yeah, I don't know about that yeah. stuff. But that's where it comes from, the father's yeah. rights thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm just like, hi, just what about equal rights? Like, hello. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, seems, that seems pretty really common the sense. The there was yeah. a. Humanism. Yeah. Karis uh, One came and talked at my university, and uh, it was myself and my buddy Heath went, and we're like the two white dudes who <laughs> yeah. went to hear him speak. And. He came out and said, uh, first and foremost, there can be no end of racism till there's an end of sexism. All right, let's go. Whoa. And I was like... That's amazing. Wow. Well, did you guys see the whole Diana Nyad situation yesterday? The swimmer who... No? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, the woman who, who, com- okay. who completed the swim from Cuba, Cuba to, to Key West. Yes. Yeah. She's 64 and she tried it in 1978. It was the first time she tried this particular... Uh, world record swim and she swam yesterday for 50 or this weekend for 53 hours and completed the 110 miles at 64 that is incredible yeah is this where she like swims part of it in a in a shark cage sometimes no the, the world record someone had done this before but it was in a shark cage and she did it 
without a shark cage. No, for, no part of it did she have a cage. No. Oh, With a gosh. shirt on that said, fuck you, shark. <laughs> <laughs> she had all. The, she had tried it. This was her fifth time, and mm-hmm. the other time she had been uh, attacked by jellyfish. So this time she had this, like, prosthetic face. It was so crazy. I mean, it was a mask, but it looked like... It was, like, mm-hmm. um, so that jellyfish wouldn't sting right. her. It was really incredible. There's, there's controversy <laughs> over this, you're saying? Or? Well, the reason why I brought it up was because... After um, she completed it, people were like, that old bitch, like, whatever, and talking about, like, being, like, terrible misogynists about the fact that she had just done this incredible feat. Like, they were like, a man could do that in, in 10 hours or, like, something like what? that. On the CNN page or, like, there were all the comments were just, like, so oh, the comments terrible. Oh, really showing humanity it is. And it's just, like, <laughs> how is it possible that this... Like, could that anyone could deem this like not completely awesome and, yeah. and yeah. incredible? Well, yeah, it's, that, it's that almost, it's like innocuous sexism. Yeah, where someone writing, like all that shit. I don't mean what you've just said. Yeah, that's, that's just that's just a bucket of assholes that just live everywhere. But it's I'm sure there's a reporter who went like, uh, instead of 64 year old swimmer, it's 64 year old woman. woman. Oh you know? yeah, yeah. And that's like, and you don't mean harm by it. But it's fucked up. You know, it's like, um, I'm, I'm sure this, I mean, how, I, I would love to hear what would happen with La Tigra if someone said, like, you know, all girl band. Like, why all girl, fuckface? Why you not You don't just understand. Band? I mean, every interview yeah. we've ever done. And, <sighs> like, even to this day, with like, everything I do. Lord, I but it's it's crazy. I mean, you look at, like, the, de- the highest paid DJs in the world. Mm-hmm. Have you guys seen this? There's like 30 and none of them are women what? and none of them are queer. Like e- it's like even bliss from faithless. Really? Like she's like the most pay- highest paid DJ. Wow. The top- it's like the top 30 highest paid DJs. I'm sure we could like find that. it. But even yeah. Nervo. Good Lord. They're not on there. No, no. Because they're I mean, they're a. They're a DJ. In the VMA. Yeah. But guess what? They might be. But they. Yeah. They they probably make half as much as everyone else. They might be famous, yeah. but they don't make as much money. It's That's so crazy. intense. I, have, I would never have guessed that that could... I mean, and think about what DJing has come out of. I mean, like, whatever, mostly queer, like, yeah. you know, people of color, like, men of color. And there's, like, no men of color on it, except for Steve Aoki. <laughs> Steve Aoki. Yeah. Steve Aoki. That dude. Yeah. He's a Cleveland guy, right? No. no, no, no. Oh, wait, how'd He's you... He's West Coast. I oh. know him because he did that little dim map. Oh, that's... Yeah. Set up sure. some shows from Middle Band. I'm cross-promoting here. Um, <laughs> that's really weird. And especially in that culture I that none of them are gay. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, unless they're not out or something. Wow. But that would be a whole other story. Yeah, it's been... It's it's interesting. I mean, I I still laugh about it all the time. But that's why I, I named my new project Men because I wanted to, like, act like men and see if that changed the way I got paid. And and, and so far? No. <laughs> Still women. <laughs> um, you yeah. also at one have your own calendar? Oh, yeah. I, had, I made two. One was in 2003 and one was in 2006, I think. And, um... The first one was JD's lesbian calendar, which was like me in, I called them like butch lesbian occupations, like things where you don't really have to talk to people, where you're just kind of like the pool cleaner or the like, 
Usher at the movie theater kind of a situation. And then the second one was called JD's Lesbian Utopia. of, And that one was a trip that I took in an RV across the country to gay and lesbian campgrounds. And um, we were trying to find lesbian utopia. It was cool. It was beautiful. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the fact that you have... I'm going to make a calendar. Never. And it sold out or something. I remember yeah, that, right? the first one was like... That's great. Insane. It was like an art piece, you know? Like, people wanted it really bad. Sounds it was fun. Cool. Yeah. It's just like a great idea. Have I'm, you I'm thought surprised. about Well, it was kind of one? like... Yeah, kind of. But it's. I feel so old now. I'm like, I'm not sexy or cute. Um, but the first one was kind of like, you know, taking like this really un-mainstream idea of like an androgynous lesbian and putting it on this like mainstream medium mm-hmm. of like a calendar and like forcing it on the wall every day of the year you right. know it was cool yeah it was a lot of people like parker posey bought it and no uh, way scarlett johansson bought it i think yeah that's amazing it was cool so do you think we have a chance of make do we, can we do yes. a calendar you should do a rubber tracks um, one with all the track. people, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. But I thought Just that three like of us. because you need, four months. I think twelve people would be good. Yeah, yeah. I oh, think yeah. I think we should sh- sh- spread it out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where our utopia would be though. Uh, I think we're in right it. here. Yeah, that was what we it. realized actually. The utopia was right inside our RV. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice, that, that nice work. Yeah. Utopia. JD's Lesbian Utopia. That was the name of the calendar. Oh, that's, a, that's a long license. <laughs> no, the part. RV, like the way you name it. Oh, both. we didn't name it, but it was we rented it, and it had like you know those like El Monte RVs or whatever, and they have like on the uh, outside of it like all this weird painting of like people hanging out and stuff. Is it like the ones that bands rent sometimes? Yeah, they're yeah. like so terrible. It's yeah, like yeah. they're not even white. They're just like yeah, they're ugly. The way that U-Hauls have like pictures on them now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so stupid. Yeah. yeah. How long's the yeah. men project being happen- happening? Since two thousand seven. Okay. Yeah, and we put out one record in. Mm, was it mm, two thousand? Oh, mm, I don't remember. Eleven, maybe. Um with I Am Sound, and then we're actually releasing another one next month ourselves. Perfect. Where did you yeah. record it? We recorded it at people's houses. Nice. Uh-huh. Um, we worked with a lot of awesome producers. We worked with uh, Yuxek, um, Triple Exchange, Alex Suarez from Cobra Starship. Um, That's great, dude. And some on our own, and someone with a guy we used to work with named Jordan Lieb. And, uh, yeah, it was good. I mean, it was really fun and weird also to not, to, to release it ourselves. Just like, I've never done that. Totally new experience, different time right now. Yeah. So weird. Yeah, I'm, uh, I mean, like it. working, I mean, doing Latiba records, it was like, we would be like, this is the way things go. And then the next record would happen and it would be the same and the same and the same. And then with this project, it's like, whoa, everything is really different. And like, it just feels like you're not standing on solid ground. You know, it's like you never know what's going to work and what's going to fail, you know? It seems like you guys have toured a lot. I feel like every time I see you, you're going somewhere internationally. Yeah, I also DJ, I tour internationally as a DJ probably more than even playing with men okay. these days yeah what yeah. do you like do you like traveling internationally or yeah is it just different audiences or 
I think it's just like where my my work is these days. You know, like uh, I feel really lucky to have been able to like work as a DJ and continue to be paid that way and stuff. And like, kind of, it it really helps me to be able to do all of my other work. How'd that get started? Artistic to me. Um, honestly, the first time I DJed was at a lady fest. They were just like it was like celebrity DJ. JD Sampson from La Tigra, and I was like, oh shit. And then <laughs> through the years, I've found different like homes uh, to play like different kinds of music. And recently, I feel like I've been dipping into the like actual real DJ world, which has been good. Do you do like Serato? Do you have. I or... use Tractor actually. Um, no, which is so weird because. I used Tractor, like, right when it first came out. Like, I tried it because someone suggested it, and now I'm, like, stuck with it. Like, I have Serato, but I'm just, like... Totally, I mean, it's just... It's, I think yeah. it might actually be gaining in popularity. Yeah. Native Instruments makes it. Yeah. It's really cool. And there's an awesome one for your iPhone or iPad. Yeah, I saw that. It's cool. And there's a lot of, like, remix decks they have and stuff, Mm -hmm. which are cool, where they, like, separate certain songs, like, into different tracks, and then you can use four different, like, channels, basically, while you're DJing, which is cool. Basically. Yeah. Come on, Brad, get into it. I like this. I mean, the software, I have mixed feelings about it because it basically makes everybody a selector now, you know? Yeah. The skill set is not necessary, you know? Yeah. That's how GarageBand is, too. I feel like everything's, like, automated. Like, you, like, hit a button and it's like, here's this drum beat. Yeah. Yeah, except that I feel with with, uh, recording, like, a workstation, the idea is to capture an artist's, you know, vision or performance. Whereas, like, DJ, the certain type of DJ in the past has had this amazing skill set of, like, beat matching and yeah. things that you don't need anymore. Which, That's because like, it's really hard. It's really, <laughs> really hard. It's really hard. And I know a few guys who are brilliant at it, and women as well. Mm-hmm. Um and so, like, now, they, you know, that's kind of, like, nobody knows how good they are anymore. Because I mean, even the new CDJs are just, like, they... Yeah, they're incredible you, you can put cue points in you can like loop stuff you can put everything on a usb and put it and only bring one usb and your headphones to dj gigs that's like what all my famous dj I, friends do at the end uh. of the day i think it's a good thing because if everybody has the same skill set it's going to be who plays the best music yeah you know that's true. and like in the, there definitely have been djs in the past that were just you know little too acrobatic but got gigs because of it but their sets were terrible (laughs) because you know you couldn't dance to them because they were just scratching and right flipping and whatever they were doing well it's like a different kind of i guess dj world that you know yeah it's also like becoming just like there's so many different little scenes within the dj world like it's like if you are around people that make you have fun and have good energy it's like it almost is like and play obviously the same music and like you just want to like keep throwing it like i i started this party at union pool actually called pat and it's once a month on a thursday but it's different thursdays and i just try and bring like the best most positive djs like gavin rusum and like 
W. Jeremy and do you know these people? No, um, they're mostly like house and disco people, but it's been so much fun because the room is so small there. Oh, it's yeah. just like free and I change the DJ every hour. So it's just like fun. Yeah. Like as long as you're having fun and you're not like tripping out about what people are playing and stuff. It's all about, it's man. Really yeah, <laughs> Speaking it's of so positive. DJ, yeah. when did you start going by JD? The first press I did with La Tigre. Really? How did yeah. that... Does, what is it? Is there just... You just like the way it sounded? Actually, Sadie from the band named me JD because she said my glasses looked like Jeffrey Dahmer glasses. <laughs> and um, they, we just... They started calling me that and then we had some press coming out and we just... I guess I felt maybe disconnected from my original name or something. My original name, my given name. But I guess that's cool because I imagine like they must have done, especially Kathleen, so much press in the past, but you kind of had a chance to be like, yeah. no one really knew who you were at that point. Exactly. It was really weird. Yeah. Reinventing yourself is fun, man. Yeah. I mean, I did. Yeah. yeah it's weird. Yeah. It's Dang. cool. Smart people. I caved. I know. I feel like in high school you were into all this cool art stuff, and I was just like smoking cigarettes in the woods and listening. You were to no wearing effect. raver pants. I was wearing jeans. You Jinkos. were also. Yeah. You were also having really, really, really tall Doc Martens. Yes, this is true. <laughs> and you wore like clips in your hair. Yeah. And oh, you listen to good music. I listen to like. <laughs> Sort of. I was like really into like the Dead Kennedys and stuff. Yeah, that was. Yeah, good. that's cool. Wearing Jenko, but there, bold yeah. Did you know that someone we hung out with in high school is a major, major porn star? Yes, a, a major gay porn star, right? Yeah. Yes, I. Found and this he wasn't even gay when we were in high school. <laughs> Do you think he's gay now? Who knows? Yeah, right? he is. He is gay okay. I I wrote to him on Facebook because I was like, hey. He gave me this tattoo actually in really? the back of a in the back of my Buick Skylark at the park during a thunderstorm. Wow. <laughs> it's the best time to get a tattoo. Yeah. yeah, I did know that. Um yeah, that is crazy. Yeah. And it's uh we ran into each other at at that Portlandia party. Yeah. Which was so so cool. Yeah. It's cool. That was good. It's cool in like Vanessa's world and your world kind of meet, and then I can just tag along and not actually have to do any of the work. <laughs> and the, at, at the bust um, party, yes, although the, I had to leave early for Pat. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was really fun too. That was it was really long though. Yeah, I know. Um, Murray told me. Murray Hill told me that yeah, like at the end, uh, a, a lot of people had left or something. Yeah, which is Chibamato was so good. Oh, I know. I saw their soundtrack. I was Chibamato so played. Yeah. yeah. Oh shit! Their soundtrack was awesome, although it was not loud enough. Was it loud enough at the show? It could have been louder. Yeah, <laughs> it can always be louder for me. Great, I haven't thought about that. I just went time. to uh, a lesbian wedding at the Bell House. Really, my first one, and it was so awesome. Like, That's awesome. Both wore dresses. Like it was like really, really sweet. Was it? Did a band play? Um, yes, this band Larry and his Flask played. Wow. Yeah. Larry and his Flask. Yeah. <laughs> they were friends, friends with the bride. But yeah, it was really that the place is is a bit so awesome to have events at. Yeah. Were my, you a Battlestar Galactica fan? No. Okay. I am not into sci-fi. Okay, Go. Here's why. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. In that show, and they had a couple. Of, they had started as a miniseries, then into a series, then they had like um, a follow-up kind of you know early episode, like the like a prequel kind of series. It was actually pretty Caprica? good. Caprica. Yeah. But in the entire. In the entire, you know, the concept of 
the show, which is the world ends, but humanity escapes and they go to find somewhere else. It's there is no the the question of equality never comes up. Like women are in combat, men are in combat, women, you know, everything. And there's nothing about sexuality for someone to be like, well, you know, we're together and it's same sex. It's just never addressed. You know, no one's future, ever together. Man. What about and, and the president? What about Rosalind being a woman and being? Well, it wasn't that she was a woman? It was that, that she was like 14th in line of succession right, right, because right. everyone, all the cabinets died in the attack. So the only woman who, the only, excuse me, the only person who survived uh, was like the Secretary of Education. <laughs> so just by succession, and um, Whoa. she becomes. But you know, there was, um, uh, you know, you in. The series Caprica again. Everyone get comfy. It's getting really sexy right now. Um, <laughs> where they go back into like show the childhood of some of these people. You know, there was a uh, a guy who was an, an attorney whose son ends up being the head of the Armada. Uh, his brother was like a, a mob enforcer, but he you know he dated men. But it was never it was never brought up, which is know? cool. But this is what I genuinely believe that it will be like in the quote-unquote future when we're all beige <laughs> well i'll be beige all just, yeah we are all going to be the same color to, because isn't I when mean, we're all beige at the best buy next to the starbucks isn't that all... seriously though as slow as it's happening isn't that where yes. it's going yeah yeah I, yeah, yeah. yeah. the fact that you're talking about a lesbian wedding although it's going to go slower because <laughs> i i actually realize like i have to when i go out with girls i have to stop talking about better star galactica because <laughs> it happens every time like something will come up i'll be like have you ever seen Battlestar star galactica and the answer is always no Boner and, I, killer. and i'm always like this is why you should watch it and then i'm at the end of this thing and i'm like ugh <laughs> every time so I feel like our maybe species- maybe like you should pinch yourself like every time you do it or like I think you're to right. have a rubber band. Maybe should not it. be the background of your Twitter page. Ah, uh, <laughs> that but, could be the then, first step. It's not anymore. But then oh, after you get like into a relationship or with this particular person, you might be going on a date with. You could give them like a the Battlestar Galactica. What's it called? box set or something oh, yeah. yes no you're right it's like it's just one of those things i'm so passionate about and i feel like has such a negative concept but i'm like if you watch it you would be into it and i feel like that's not like that's like a that's like a fifth date yeah i'm story. i rush it i'm, I'm i yeah. rush it yeah. yeah i would never throw out the comic books on date one really no i'd hold that feel off like for I a while <laughs> i know i'm searching for stuff no to talk but it's about. true you should just be yourself yeah, yeah. it's true no that's true you know Oh, you'll yeah. fi- you'll find the right girl, thought, but no. But the first date should be about <laughs> should be about holding back a little bit. But I feel like the best part. I yeah, also feel only. like like <laughs> let's get this out of the way. Like yeah. you're going to hear a lot about this stuff that's, you don't care about. That's not a good idea. I don't know. <laughs> We're going to find that out when they come to your house and look at your DVDs. That is true. Yeah, all your DVDs. It's a lot. So uh, would you say DJing is your like your um, I want to say occupation, but primary like source of income? Yeah. These days. And that's fun. That's great. It's fun, but it is kind of like, you know, I'm 35. Mm -hmm. I don't really love like partying and going, uh, staying up past four in the morning, like every night. I don't Mm -hmm. love it. Most successful DJs are, if not sober, they're pretty. Yeah. I'm not sober, but I am pretty sober. Yeah. I like might have one drink. It's and usually I'm like, that was gross. It's a job. You got to yeah. stay yeah. that point. Yeah. It's true. 
That's it's right. totally a job. Speaking ways. of what Stephen said, didn't you write an article recently about yes. how hard it is to make money or maybe misconceptions people have? Can you talk yeah. about that a little bit? Because I thought that was really interesting. Totally. Well, Huffington Post asked me to blog for their like gay voices section. And at the time I had been like looking for a new apartment and it was like the most demoralizing thing I had done in so long because it was really hard for me to prove that I made money. And, um, probably like the way I looked and being like, I'm a DJ and an artist and a musician, like was not the way to get an apartment. And my payments were so random and all over the place that it's just hard to know that I'm going to be able to like make payments every month or whatever. And now living in Williamsburg, all these other people are moving here who have great jobs, doctors, lawyers, you know, and they are definitely getting the apartments before people like me. So just this idea of like proving myself that I'm like financially capable, even though I'm very responsible and like have never misread to my entire life was the reason why I wrote this because it was like my editorial moment of just like freaking out. So, um... I don't know. It was also in the beginning of the Occupy Wall Street movement where I just kind of wanted to like draw connections between like the failing music industry, Occupy Wall Street, and kind of like this interesting rental boom in Brooklyn. And um, so that's that's kind of what it was about to me. Um, but yeah, it's been hard to make money as a musician in the past, you know seven years or whatever I also so. think there's a misconception too like i'm sure a lot of people like think that if you're in a band they've heard of they're like yeah. oh you're famous you must be rich totally and like for example making this record was really um we had to kind of like pull a lot of favors do it in people's houses like not really make a record the way i always knew how to you know it's like a totally different feeling for me it it felt a little bit like failure but it also felt a little bit like i'm just taking control of my own shit and i'm not gonna make i'm not gonna get in debt and i'm not gonna give money to anyone else you know but when we finished the record there was a question of whether or not to do a kickstarter and uh in the end i felt like it was a really strange feeling to like put myself out there as like very vulnerable financially in that way and have to ask for help. So I didn't, we didn't do it. And, um, that was an interesting moment for me as well. Like after writing this article and then like thinking like, ew, I don't want to like put myself out there again as like a weird poor person that's like begging for money. So (laughs) I, um, not a weird poor person, but you know what I mean? Like a weird person asking for money who like is just, desperate and depressed and flailing like that's what i feel like right. that would look like but i or don't something. think i think you think yeah. that yeah it's totally. a, yeah yeah because what an artist but, all artists do is look for patronage i mean look at any yeah. artist hanging in any gallery today and in yesteryear it's yeah. you have someone unless, paying for them to do it exactly unless you're doing you know but some hip-hop. artists unless you're like a male hip-hop yeah it's not totally you don't have to front yeah but i mean there's it's interesting i put out a record this summer i mean yeah for somebody else it was like a digital ep right now there's like a hundred thousand listens of the song of one of the songs on soundcloud and like so a great percentage of likes as well the amount of people that actually bought it is just like shocking the percentage is like yeah one percent yeah 
That's what's happening. Yeah. So people can listen to anything they want to all the time, streaming any kind of website. But the musician does not get paid anymore. So it's just like an interesting place for me to be. Um, I think for sure I'm trying to diversify my career. So DJing, like giving lectures, you know, um, doing sound um, for art pieces and dances and things like, you know, just trying to kind of like put out other people's records, you know, find, find ways to diversify it. What's the giving lectures thing like? How did you get involved with that? Well, I think sometimes people want me to discuss like my art practice and also talk about what it's like to be a queer artist or a feminist artist. So Mm -hmm. I've had some requests from art schools to do lectures on that. Yeah. That's great. Did you do something? My friend Kristen runs a site, everyoneisgay.com. Yeah. I wrote something for them. I did a, um, they have people write in and ask questions about like a, what is it? Dear Abby kind of a thing. And I did one for them. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're really great. Yeah. It was cool. Do you like writing as well? Yeah. I've been doing some reviews for Talk House also. Uh, Do you know about that? I've heard of it. I'm not super familiar though. It's this great site where you can like artists review other artists um, and stuff. So it's really cool. Um, actual it, actual peers reviewing as opposed to critics. Yeah, I, yeah. I back that. And um, yeah. So I've done that, and that's been cool. So yeah, I guess I just feel like I'm I'm open to to anything for sure. Yeah. It is weird that that struggle of being an artist because we've talked to everybody who's been in here, most everybody. Yeah, and it's that you get to a point of, uh, you know. What am I doing? You know what I mean? Mm. But like, because you're doing it because you love it and you want to do it, but you want to make money for it. Mm. And the way that people hear music nowadays is it's, it's, it's like this weird form of almost acceptable piracy, you know? Yeah. It's like, uh, and I used to argue for downloading all like very strongly. I'd be like, well, we're sharing, you know, we are sharing. Like if I buy something and I share it with someone else, that, that is my legal right to do that. That is personal use law. Um, differences. If you buy an, a song from iTunes, you cannot do that. That's mm-hmm. illegal. Cause that's, you're buying the license, mm-hmm. which is interesting because they give you the software in iTunes to burn that and give to someone, but that's not legal to do. It's very, it's very odd. So nowadays when people like walking well, just it's, it's everyone treating, someone's art the way they treat the radio well the radio just broadcasts it and i can pick it up through my free antenna mm-hmm. so i don't have to buy it you know but they're selling ad space i don't know it's it's but don't you feel like it's especially hard i feel like yeah. living in brooklyn because yeah. i feel like it's so expensive here like i feel like if my rent was my rent when i lived in cleveland then yeah. I, at being freelance also yeah. like it's like i think it's added stress being here that's a really big part of it is just like the hustle of New York is really intense. And um, if you're also an artist it and freelance of any kind, really, that then it becomes even more of a it's, well, it's difficult thing. It's always been the, double, like, the kind of double like edged sword, double yeah. standard or whatever of New York, whether it was like the East Village 20 yeah. years ago. Or like, you had to kind of had to come here. You wanted to come here. Mm-hmm. Everybody else was coming here. But it's expensive. Yeah, yeah. Expensive to rehearse. I mean, Jesus, you know. It's a rehearsal thing. I had no idea about that until you talked to every musician in New York (laughs) about where to go fucking play. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I just remember, like, you know, the other thing that a lot of people don't think about is that that, that it's so expensive to have a place that when you're 
you're you're in a band. You can't, you can't just go on tour for a month because who's going to pay your fucking rent? Well, this was a really big thing for me. It was like a couple of years ago, I opened for a pretty big band with my band men. We had a great deal. Like they're our friends, so they gave us a really great opening, you know, fee. Right. We were gone for six weeks. When I came back, I didn't even have enough money to pay for one month of my rent when I was gone. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I can't. Yeah. I mean, you know, as much as, like, I love it, it's just, like, this can't be my number one way to make money because it's just not working. So I had to kind of, like, focus more on the DJ stuff so that I could pay my rent and then kind of be able to do men as, like, my labor of love yeah. kind of a no, thing. No, you gotta work. I mean, yeah. that's what sucks. People here, they yeah. have to work. I was always so jealous of, like, Austin or, like, Orange County or yeah. places where people could just fucking slack and then go on the road and, but, uh. Yeah. Don't get me started. I have a proposal. <laughs> okay. Me and you. Yeah. Move, Move back to, to Ohio. Let's go back to Cleveland. <laughs> Did you hear about Be this? roommates. Did you hear about this new thing that I just Give up all saw? This. That they're doing this crazy tax break for artists in Cleveland. Really? Yeah, my sister sent it to me. I put it on Facebook a couple weeks ago. Okay, I'll, I'll send it, it to you. You feel like people yeah. unnecessarily shit on Cleveland? Um, I think it's actually like growing as like an art town. Um, I think it's going to be the next like Pittsburgh. You know how Pittsburgh is like where people go to shoot movies now. Pittsburgh like, is... So, I, I have a friend, yeah. and she lives in Pittsburgh and loves it. Like, Same, comes here yeah. to visit and is like, I can't believe you live here. Yeah. Like, Pittsburgh's... All, and I feel like she also said... She grew up in Cleveland, and she's like, a lot of the problems I made in Cleveland, like, they did all the stuff right in Pittsburgh, yeah. basically. We're like... It's like, there's like a beautiful waterfront. There's yeah. all this stuff, and it's kind of like... Can they they just can't keep French young people there. Those are delicious. <laughs> in Cleveland? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a problem, is like... That's why we have to like leaves. open like a bar and a record store and like a cafe, comic book store. restaurant, comic it, book store. Investors, if you want to get in touch with us, <laughs> we're gonna change Cleveland. We're gonna change Cleveland. <laughs> uh, if you could, if you could send all your donations to Believe the Cleve. Yeah, I actually always look at the Craigslist, uh, like what's it called, rental. Oh, really? Ads. In Cleveland? In Cleveland, you yeah. fantasizing about going back? Oh, yeah. I mean, I look in every city. Really? I never yeah. do that. I yeah. I had a beautiful one-bedroom place in Lakewood for like four twenty-five, And when they raised my rent, they raised it to four thirty. Well, they we raised were, my rent $5. My girlfriend and I, like, we were like, if we lived there, we could basically rent like a house with like four bedrooms. Yeah. Totally. Isn't that the worst? And it's like the most beautiful house, too. So and we like, were like looking, we were like... Oh, $900, four-bedroom house, cats and dogs, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But right on the lakefront. You can play like in the basement. Yeah. yeah. So is that an option? I think, like, we're definitely thinking about leaving here in the next, like, year or something. But it's dependent on, like, uh, finding the right place and for her finding a, a job in that yeah. place or whatever so we'll see I guess if you're a dj you can yeah for yeah. me i'm like whatever i really would go anywhere at this mm. point i mean not not to say that i wouldn't move back here after like six mm. months but i've only ever lived here in cleveland right so i really feel like i it's i deserve a, the opportunity to uh see what the rest of the world is like yeah yeah because wow it's hard here. <laughs> JD. JD. Breaking it down. 
Uh, if you dug this week's episode, you might want to go to goingofftrack.com, hit our little donate button and help us out because we're going to get t-shirts. Doing a podcast is a great way to break even. And if you went to high school with me and then played in a band with Kathleen Hanna, you can also come on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing that JD is the only person in Ohio to have that honor, but you never know. So thank you, JD, for hanging out with us. Yes, Follow that was us awesome. Follow us at Going Off Track. Uh, if you want to send us a message, do so at facebook.com slash goingofftrack. Um, you can we- also follow us individually on Twitter. Oh, yeah. I feel like we never say that. We never say that. But Stephen Smith says, mm-hmm. and my name is Jonah, our Twitter handles, and I don't know. Brad is at Soundwag. Brown, Brad's at Very Soundwag. easy to follow because I only you know post about once a week so. and mike has a twitter handle and doesn't post ever so <laughs> i kind of been going in phases lately where i like doing it but sometimes i feel like it it just seems too self-indulgent i i, I i'm kind of over it i'm honestly like i'm kind of over it too i'm, I'm almost to the point where i just kind of write off the grid and then just never go back <laughs> it's getting i think well, it's getting i think me. honestly it's good i feel like it's good and just it's better if you just don't check it that much like i feel like if i just check it every couple days and see what people are saying like it's fine but i feel like when i get in these k-holes where i'm just checking it every half hour and then i'm just like what is it's such a waste of time there was an award show on a, a bit ago the the american music awards and i looked at twitter and i was like this is all about this stuff and i hate this shit and i wouldn't watch this anyway and why do I want to hear people making fun of something? It's like Twitter is, Twitter is, if you're reading it and you can turn it off, so saying it's annoying is dumb because it's in your control. But it's just, it's the person trying to be funny at the dinner party while you're watching the Oscars when all you want to do is hear the speech. Right. And it's Yeah, I agree with that. Frustrating. So follow us. So follow us on Twitter. <laughs> We're great. We're so funny and upbeat and not dark or cynical or jaded. And let us and, and let us frustrate you. And let me just say that the reason I only post once a week is because I try to be informative. Also, Brad yeah. has a job. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> unlike, so, unlike Jonah I've and got I, a lot of free time. I feel like at least if I tweet something. If I'm, I, if I'm tweeting, it's because I, I've gotten to the point where I can't use any of my characters and Simpsons tapped out. Yeah. <laughs> Better yet, just send me an email. I'll talk to you. <laughs> Anything you want, I'll talk. All right, we'll hear you next week. <laughs>